big picture first before, before we zoom down down the way and put the best thing on We're going to see now Paul throughout the rest of the book a lot of preaching, a lot of teaching, in a lot of different places. We saw him doing this with a lot of different people. We saw up-close conversions. We saw a relationship between the, the, uh, the messenger and the, and the person being ministered to. What we're going to see now is a lot of relationship between the, the pulpit and the pew, the preacher and people, the, the, these missionaries and these congregations. And we're going to see how these groups of people received the word of God. Because what happens in Thessalonica is not going to be totally the same as Berea. It's not going to be totally the same as Ephesus. And so as we keep going, you might, you might, it might look like the episodes are similar. But there's a lot of differences. And what, what I want to see, though, is that when we bring the gospel to people, it's the same message every time. Paul and the boys, they don't change it. They don't change their message. They don't change their method. It's preaching and teaching. It's speaking the word of God and living it out with their guts and everything. But we do see a lot of different reactions. And this is something I pray that as we go through the rest of the book, we would remind Can you come back next week? Like, I'm not fully there, but what you're speaking sounds makes sense to me. But can you come back next week? We don't know. But so we're seeing all these various reactions. And so that's big picture coming down. What I do want to bring out, though, tonight as we look, as we kind of get into Thessalonica, is the beginning of, or not the beginning, he's already been doing it, but the continued faithful ministry of the word and how it produces faithful followers of Christ. Faithful ministry of the word. Faithful, Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching ministers. And the produce, the fruit, the result of that is legit followers of Christ, not fake, candy Christian, like real, legit stuff. Jason and the boys, these guys were legit, and we see it at the end. They didn't break, they didn't buckle, they didn't flake. And so this is a lot of what we're going to see is the fruit of faithful Bible ministry. And so there's a lot we can glean from Thessalonica and on and on about how to preach and teach the Bible, what we as a church should aim for and look for and hold our Bible teachers and pastors accountable for, but also how we as a church are to receive the Bible. How are we to receive the Bible? So that's what we're going to be looking at as we keep going. So let's, let's jump into the text and walk through and uh, get some stuff. So verse 1, it says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apolline, Apollonia, Two Macedonian cities. Um, I don't know why they didn't pit stop there or pause there. One of them was a decent-sized city, but they decided to kind of blaze through, go to Thessalonica, which was the second biggest city in Macedonia, a big prominent city. But what we know from the history is the Spirit of God is leading these guys. Sometimes, remember in the past, they were forbid to go to certain places. Luke doesn't give us the whole juicy details as why they didn't stop there. But we know already from the normative pattern that these guys are being led by the Spirit to go to places or just pass on by. So they passed on through. And next stop, Thessalonica. A little bit more specific. Next stop, synagogue in Thessalonica. What is a synagogue? A place where the Jews, at least 10 Jews, gather, men, and they have a time where they get around the Scriptures. It's 
It's read. It's meditated. It's taught. It's a gathering. And remember in Philippi, they didn't have this, right? They didn't even have 10 Jewish people. They, they were, there was some women reading down by the river. And the boys stopped there. But it's neat to note that their point of contact in this community, they go straight to the synagogue. And if there is one, that's where Paul naturally goes. Not just theologically where first to the Jews, then the Gentiles, but naturally. It's like, I'm Paul. I'm a former Pharisee. And I will be received here. So mission-minded is, I'm going to make a point of contact in this community. I'll start here. They're already gathering around the book. They're already interested in this stuff. So let us start here. Um, Montgomery Boyce points out in his commentary, he says he loves how the missionaries always look for a point of contact in the community. Like just a natural flow. Where can I connect? Where can I make some connections? And I like that. You know, as you go through your life, your day, just think of the places you make point of contact with people naturally. That restaurant that you're a regular at, you know, that park that you walk your dogs at and people just naturally you can connect with. Well, Paul and the boys, natural, easy connection at the synagogue. So this is where they pause and stop. And then it says in verse two, Paul went in and as was his custom on three Sabbath days, three weeks, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. I like that. He reasoned. He conversed. He discussed. He argued. That's the Greek word. He dialogued. Don't you like that picture? He wasn't a dude that just kind of, he wasn't an itinerant preacher that just came, did his thing, and then shoot, see you later. And if you tried to talk to him after, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I got to go. He was down to sit and talk it out. It says he reasoned with them from the scriptures i love that not from his his logic not from philosophy not from psychology not from his own opinions guys he reasoned with them from what the bible the bible the bible that's noteworthy he reasoned with them from the scriptures and he explained and he proved now look at the thrust of his message explaining and proving that it was necessary, had to be, mandatory, that what? Christ would suffer and rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. Does that sound familiar to anybody? You remember the conversation Jesus had in Luke 24? Let me refresh your memory. I'll read it to you. On the road to Emmaus, 24-32 says this, they said to each other, did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road and he opened to us the scriptures? And later in 47, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Understand what? That it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name. This is the same Bible study, same talk that Paul is having with these brothers. This is called sound Bible teaching. What makes it so sound and so good? Sound Bible teaching and preaching. Right Bible preaching and teaching. Because we've got a lot of churches that open the Bible and say it's a Christian sermon. But you want to make sure you know it's good Bible study? It's doing this. It's rightly connecting the dots to Christ. A lot of their study was helping these bros because they love the they, they, they love the Pentateuch. They love all the stories of Abraham and Moses and all these things. But what they don't is have the missing piece. That all of this points to Christ. And that's what Paul is trying really hard to work with these guys. 
this Jesus who came and he lived the perfect life and he died a death that was gruesome, crucifixion, bled three days, dead, buried, broke, fro- broke free, actually rose, is actually alive. He's trying to reason with them, explain to them. They might have been in the Psalms. They might have been in Isaiah. And he's trying to help them connect the dots. This is talking about Jesus. This is called sound doctrine. This is the type of teaching and Bible study that Paul says to his boy Timothy later. A lot of people in in 2 Timothy, they're not going to want to endure this kind of stuff. They're not going to want to have Bible study like this. They're going to, what they're going to do is accumulate teachers in all sorts of places to just preach and just teach whatever it is they want to hear. Just tell me God loves me. Just tell me I'm accepted. Just tell me I'm, I am loved. And, but don't talk about life, death, resurrection of Christ and, for, and repentance of sin. Don't talk about that stuff. But see, this is what Paul is getting straight to the heart with these guys. He's trying to help them connect all the dots so that they see the big picture, that all of these things, all the scriptures that they're studying points to Jesus. And I want us to see this when it says that You know, as he's working hard and reasoning and explaining and proving, Paul knows this, that it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that any of these guys are going to get it. Any of these minds are going to be open. That's why I love the text in Luke 24 when when the two disciples, when Jesus is unpacking the the book to them, it says, did our hearts not burn when he was opening the scriptures? And then when we actually, it, it made sense. This is what Paul is working so hard to do right now, and he's taking three, three Sabbath days to do it, proving, proclaiming, explaining, sitting down. I'm imagining him just asking them, well, what about this? What about that? And he's, okay, that's, that's a good question. Let's keep going. Like, like Brother Mark said, three Sabbath days. I love this because it shows how much patience he had. I asked Isaiah if I could share this, but, you know, Brother Isaiah, who read the scripture tonight, uh, about six months ago, um, had, a, had an interaction with some Mormon guys on the road. And that conversation, actually, he told me uh, he saw them walk by them, and then there was this thing in him that was like, go back and say something. Go back. He just, he couldn't get rid of it. He just like, turned around, booked it, ran to them. And he's just engaging, talking with these guys. That led to them wanting to come in-house and sit down and just have a talk with him. And I, was, I saw them there. I was like, yeah, dude, let them in. And then that began about six months ago. And he would regularly, weekly, if they were down, they would come. See them down, come, down, come. And some of us a couple months ago saw two of them actually in our service. Right? It's not hard to spot them, right? You know? <laughs> I still want to ask them why they, they dress like that. But Isaiah probably knows because he's been talk but it's cool because when i when i pray with him when he shares with me what's going on and where it's come to now there's one particular friend that we're praying for and there's a sense of after all the reasoning all the explaining all the questions all the dialogue there's something in that guy's soul that's like okay i'm hearing you and you can isaiah says you can see it in his eyes you can see it on his face and there's a sense of like huh that makes sense and I'm encouraging Isaiah, just keep opening it. Keep showing it. Keep letting them read it. Keep pointing them to Christ and do it carefully. Do it patiently. Do it rightly. Let the word of God go, bro. And that's what I'm imagining in this synagogue with Paul and all these other Jews and just in that vibe and, and just trying his utmost to do it right and take the time and duke it out and be patient. You don't see, don't see this in Paul. And I'll, sh- and I'll show you there's a verse in Thessalonians. 
But don't imagine Paul in there with this big tantaran head now that he knows what the scriptures really mean, just bashing people on the head with the Bible. And say, bro, you guys are wrong, and I'm right. Don't see that. That's not the type of attitude he's coming out with them. He's trying to patiently, gently, vigorously take the time and do Bible study. Paul loves these guys. He loves even the ones that he's getting stink eye from in the room. The ones that they're starting to get jealous. He loves them. And he's right there in the heat of it. And this is a beautiful picture. 2 Timothy 4.2, Paul tells young Timothy, hey, preach the word, be ready, in season, out of season, whether they like you or they don't like you. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. And then he says, with complete patience. Complete patience. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, he says, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint heart, help the weak, be patient with them all. 2 Timothy 2, 24-25 says, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring the evil. Paul is teaching Timothy from experience. He's like, I've worked with some guys, man, and you need patience, Timmy. If you're going to have sound Bible teaching, if you're going to be a minister of the Bible, I'm not talking to just preachers and pastors. I'm talking about to the church, us as believers. If you're going to engage in real Bible study with people, you better pray that God gives you first love for them and patience. Don't just write them off after a 30-minute conversation because they disagree with you. If Paul did that, he would have been out the first Sabbath day. Oh, you don't believe Jesus is the Christ? Shake the dust, shoots, whatever. Aloha. I'm moving on. He didn't do that. He stuck it out. He knew in the room, no, some brothers here, they're getting this. You're seeing what I'm seeing, right? And he stayed. I love it. Sound Bible teaching and preaching rightly connects the dots to Christ. And we're praying for, for brothers like Isaiah and others in the house who you're, you have this burden for people. You've been trying to share Christ. Take the time. Maybe it'll take six months. Maybe it'll take six years. But is it worth it? Is eternity worth it, church? Amen it is. So we will work. What we see here is a soldier, man. That's why Paul tells Timothy, you're a soldier of Christ Jesus, Timmy. You're going to minister the Bible and do it rightly? You got to soldier up. That's what we see these boys doing. I love it. They've got to connect the dots to Christ. This is why, as a church, we'll be careful. Any Sunday school teacher, any preacher, any teacher, any kind of Bible study we have here, we want to get in the book and get to Christ. Not sloppily, not rushing it, but getting there right. Why? Because if Paul doesn't take them to Christ, then they don't get saved. They need to hear this message, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. If he can't get there, notice that Paul doesn't go in there with his big brain self because he's a smart guy, read his letters, and he doesn't just talk languages and talk theology and impress them with all his knowledge. No, he gets to Christ. I love that. Sound Bible teaching rightly connects the dots to Jesus. Let's keep going. Verse 4. Some of them, now this is dope, some of them, so after all that work, some. That means minority. 
That means majority of them were not. Some of them were what? Persuaded. I like this word. Persuaded. To be convinced. To have confidence. To now trust and obey is what we read. That's literally what it is in the word study. They were at a place where they weren't persuaded. They were persuaded in their religion, their law. After hearing the message of Christ, and now he's the, the, the cornerstone, he's the one that all this comes together in, I'm persuaded. Some of them. Some were persuaded. I love that word persuaded. What's the song, the song go? Because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is. Yeah, yeah, right? Are we? But I want you to see how they were persuaded. They weren't persuaded because Paul was an entertaining speaker. They weren't persuaded because Paul was passionate. They weren't persuaded because they had a great band. They weren't persuaded because they got free food. They weren't persuaded because they had great programs. They weren't persuaded by any of these things. And these things are not bad in and of themselves. But the very deal sealer is they were persuaded by the Scripture. He opened the Scripture. Persuaded with Scripture and they were kept by Scripture. That's why in churches around the world, if the congregation or the gathering is persuaded by stuff, then you're going to have to keep them by whatever that stuff was. And if that stuff ain't Jesus and if that stuff ain't from the Word of God, then you're going to have a hard time week to week. And when you die, bro, they go with it. If you keep coming to this because you want to be entertained, when we're not funny, you'll be gone. Go find somewhere else to itch your ears. That's really how it's going to work. If you're being persuaded by any other means than Christ and the Word of God, some of you I've known for years, some of us we've walked for almost decades now, And the fact that, not that we're in the same church, but that we're coming to the same book, we're worshiping the same God, we're congregating with the same body of believers, it's because we're persuaded, not by any man, a person, or a movement. We're persuaded by the Word of God. We're convinced by Christ and His righteousness and His life. And that stuff burns in us. And so when we come week to week, we're hungry. Hungry for what? The Bible. So whether me or Pastor Bob or Pastor Johnny or another brother stands in this pulpit behind this desk and they're here to deliver, what we're hungry for is give me that good book. Because that's what's going to persuade me. That's what's going to keep me. I love that these, some of them are persuaded and they join Paul and Silas. As did a great many of devout Greeks. So this church, Thessalonica, the Thessalonian church is made up of majority Greeks and not a few or I guess that's the same as saying plan A or choke, uh, leading women. So you see the makeup of this church. It's beautiful. They got some Jews in there. That's dope. But we'll see later, what was the other majority of the Jews doing? Getting jealous. But I love this, persuaded with Scripture. Guys, this is why Paul tells young Timothy, Timothy, preach the word. There's nothing else to preach, Timothy. If and, I, and, I'll, and I'll ask you guys this too. Uh, side note and prayer for me and the other pastors. Pray for us. Pray that we will always and only preach the Bible. Please. Please. If you see any of us deviating, I beg you, come to us in love. 
and correct us, admonish us. Keep us in the Bible, Pastor. Please do that. When we're dead and long gone, children, children's children, please, whoever is there, we want to be persuaded by Scripture. Sola Scriptura, right? It's Scripture alone. Anyway, there's this exciting harvest as Paul is preaching and teaching the Bible, reasoning, explaining it, breaking it down. Well done. Let's follow in their steps. We read on, but we're not surprised with the but. Gosh, always a but, right? Right when there's fruit of righteousness, but. Always resistance. Remember, are we aware of the war we're in? This is a war. You go into a city, start preaching the gospel, get ready. A but is coming. But the Jews were jealous. Jealous. Zealous. They noticed their influence. They noticed the attention. They noticed their followers are unfollowing them, following another group of boys. And there's this hot envy and jealousy brewing up in them. You see it? got so jealous that they get some wicked men from the rabble. They just go downtown, look for some thugs. They form some makeshift gang. And they set the city in an uproar and attack. We were asking in observation time, why are these guys getting so jealous? Like, right? Why aren't they being stoked that everything they gave their life to studying Paul just came and shared. They should be jazzed that they know who the fulfilling, like this is the one you've been waiting for, right? Well, the majority of these Jews, it gives us a lot more insight. Maybe perhaps that's not what they were using their, their Judaism for. Chapter 13, this isn't the first time it happened. Let me read to you chapter 13, verse 43 to 45. After the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews, devout converts to Judaism, they followed Paul and Barnabas. So Paul and Barnabas was preaching and teaching, and a bunch of Jews started to follow them. They spoke with them. They urged them, can you continue in the grace of God? So they were loving their Bible study. Like, man, preach on, bro. Can, can you keep going? Verse 44, the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Verse 45, but when the Jews saw the crowds... They were filled with jealousy. When they saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. Jesus exposed these boys on this stuff. Matthew chapter 6, you do your righteous acts before men because you want to be seen. So why are these brothers getting, or not brothers, why are these Jews getting jealous? It's because they're craving the crowd. They're enslaved by it. They want to be seen. They want the spotlight. They're seeing all the crowds go that way, and that is just, they're so drunk on wanting to be followed and seen that they can't even see the grace of God being preached in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't care that their brothers are, are stoked and having peace. They're just like, no one's following me. Nobody wants me. Pause now. Don't be so quick to point the finger now. Because guys, you and I, we're growing up, young ones, you're growing up in the most thick pop culture age where media and entertainment and everything the message of the, of the world is teaching, be seen. Be seen. If you're not seen, if you don't have followers, if people don't notice you, you're nothing. 
That's the big message of the age. That's the big spirit. It's normal to have a whole personal web page for yourself. If the Jews, if these Jews had social media, I wonder what they'd be like. I wonder if right now they're just seeing all the unfollows and they're just like, they're having a breakdown. This is at the heart of these guys. They craved to be known, not make Christ known. They didn't care that Paul and Silas came and started making the, the actual Messiah known. They wanted to be known. I want the spotlight. I see the crowds going. I'm jealous. I don't care who Paul and you are, you out-of-townies. I don't care who you are. It's just, we've got to take them out. But hear the heart of that struggle. They craved to be known. They craved to be famous. You know why it's called pop culture? It's popular culture. We live in a time where everyone wants to be popular. And if you ain't popular, if nobody knows you. I heard, um, I was surfing, <laughs> not the other day, it's been a while, but the last time I was surfing, I heard this kid in the back, and these, they, we call them groms, they're like young little surfers, and they're, they're all ripping and stuff. And um, I heard one, one of the groms, he was talking to the other grom, he's like, you don't have an IG yet? And then the guy, the, the, they're like maybe 10 years old. And he's like, no, my mom won't let me get one. And then he's like, if you don't have an IG, how's anyone going to know you? And it, it, that, that was the conversation. He just walked by while I'm wiping my board down. And I'm like, wow. You don't have an Instagram yet? How will anybody know you? You know what else message that sends? You have no, you, who, who are you? You're a nothing and nobody. Oh, what an age we are in. But nothing's not that different from this day and age. That's what these Jews, they were just using religion. That was their thing. If this can be my platform and stage, again, I'll say, pray for your pastors. Pray for your pastors, because we are but men. If there's anything in our soul that is doing what we do because we want to make ourselves known, God have mercy. This is all about lifting up Christ and making Him known. What is the, the desire of our hearts, church? What burns in our hearts? Is it his name and renown? Because Paul and Silas, that's all they care about. They'll take the beatings, they'll go to prison. They don't care where they're at, what platform they have. I just want to preach Christ. The Morales family, our Morales family mission statement, life statement is this, simply devoted and deeply delighted in knowing Christ and making Christ known. That's what we're going to try to frame and put up in our home. That's it. Simple. Simply devoted. Deeply delighted. Knowing Christ. Making Him known. Nobody needs to know us. Nobody needs to know me. Nobody needs to know you for that matter. But to know Christ is everything. And in Christ, the value, the worth, the dignity, the joy that He grants His children to be known as a child of God, oh, there's nothing like it. But see, this is what these boys could not see, could not get. They were not there. They were jealous because they weren't popular anymore. There's two new kids on the block, and they're more cool than I. I hate them. You got that spirit in you? If we're going to have a sound Bible teaching ministry, if we're going to have a good, fit, healthy church, it's not about making New Juan Baptist known. It's about lifting up the banner of Christ. And as long as this church stands, as long as the, the lamp is burning here, that's all we ought to care about and strive for. But these guys, they only crave to be known. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I want to read to you what Paul wrote to this church. He says, we never came with words of flattery 
as you know, nor with pretext or greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands that we're apostles. We didn't come to you trying to entertain you or get you to like us. We didn't come seeking glory from you or people, wanting to get affirmation, accolades, and praise. We just want you to know Jesus. We want to know, want you to know that when you breathe your last, you're with the King of Kings. We want you to know that this world, this little town, Thessalonica, it's not really where it's at. Don't be so hypnotized by the flash of the city. It's going to be up in smoke sooner or later. Don't attach your heart. Don't let your heart get so wrapped up in what's not going to last. If you let your heart become attached to something temporary, when that temporary thing breaks, your heart breaks with it. So latch on to Christ. This is the heart of the apostles. Let's know Jesus. We're living in hard times. Paul says to young Timothy, in the last days, there's going to be difficult times. People are going to love themselves. They're going to be proud, arrogant, swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Is this not what these Jews are struggling with? They're just swollen. Just big balloon head. Just And now that these boys came, they're all fired up. And they do this... This act, I mean, but if we're honest, guys, if, you, if you're struggling with envy and jealousy tonight, just whatever form or fashion of it, like, it makes you do very, very bad things. Not only think bad things, you will go far. This is how far these guys go. They, they strike up a gang, get some thugs, and they go to the house of Jason, and they attack. Jason, I know a Jason, you guys know a Jason. <laughs> Jason Kawanishi. No, no, um, no, but this Jason, he had a house. So probably like Lydia, he was probably a rich dude. Um, I'm guessing he's a prominent guy because even when they talked to him with the magistrates, they, they knew Jason. But anyway, this Jason apparently was a believer and opened his home and they went there and they sought to bring them out. They were looking for Paul and Silas and they couldn't find him. So they're searching the house, nowhere to find him. They dragged Jason and some of the bros to the city authorities and it says these men have turned the world upside down. The world's upside down enough already. It just doesn't need them to turn it upside down. In fact, if anything, they're trying to turn it right side up. You know? But they're shaking things. Verse 7, Jason received them and they're all acting against the decrees. They're giving all these false accusations. That's a, that's a fabrication. That's a wrong application of what they're perceiving. I wonder if the Jews were just like feeding them all these lines like, oh, say this. Say they turn the world upside down. Oh, then say this. This will get them under treason. Tell them they're talking about another king against Caesar. Drop that bomb, okay, boys? Those two things, upside down and Caesar. Rebels against the state. Go, go, say that. False accusations. If you follow their teachings closely, Paul writes in Romans, submit to governing authorities. Peter even says, honor the emperor. But anyway, they're doing this, and I'm just imagining Jason and the boys, right? Like, can you imagine what they're going through? They just came to faith. They just, they're not Paul. They're not Silas. Imagine being dragged out of your home, brought down to the city square, 
have all these hurls and insults just thrown at you for the cause of Christ. You're a new believer. Imagine that. Verse 8, and the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things and when they'd taken the money. Now they're taking your money. Security from Jason. They let him go. What I want us to see, what Luke is clear to record, is they did nothing. They said nothing. They didn't retaliate. They were faithful. They didn't flake. They didn't say, okay, you want to know where Paul and Silas are? They're doing work down the, that corner over there. Oh, this is, they're, they're getting lunch at the Burger King around the corner. That's where they're at. They didn't do any of that. They took it. They shared in the suffering of Christ. What we see as we bring this text to a close is faithful ministry of the Word, real Bible preaching and teaching. This is what it produces. Faithful followers of Christ. Faithful. 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 Drag us out of our homes. Take our money. Throw us in prison. All for the cause of Christ. Matthew 6. We're blessed. We're counted worthy to suffer for the name. This is a repeated thing we've been seeing through Acts, right? Every time we come across this persecution, church, just examine yourselves. Do you believe? Do we believe? Will we live and die for this? This is, this is continuing on to this day. Remember, when, I, when we started this book back in 2020, September, that's when we started, I told you from the very beginning in Acts 1, don't read the book of Acts like a spectator. You're a player on the field. Don't read the book of Acts like an onlooker. You're a soldier in the fight. This is happening right now. I read to you last week, brothers who have been falsely accused, right, and um, on, online, and now they're on death row in their country. This is happening right now. Do we believe? I pray so. We're not living for this world. We're not living for this life. Right? Cami, reading Pilgrim's Progress. Celestial city is home. We're pilgrims going through. And if and when we take our cracks, to God be the glory. And may as a result of them, more be drawn to the faith. Jason and the boys are solid soldiers of Christ. Sharing in the suffering. I'm going to close tonight's text by reading you from the letter he wrote to this very church. Paul writing back to this church, because they leave. They got to leave. They, it says that they wanted to stay longer in the letter, but they got, they got forced out of the town. And I want you, as I read, I want you to see the heart behind this faithful preaching, teaching ministry. I want you to see the heart behind Paul. I'm just going to read it. This is a letter to this church that he just got ousted out of. He writes like this in 2 Thessalonians. We'll read this to close. I'm going to read portions of it. You yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you wasn't in vain. Though we've already suffered and been shamefully treated back in Philippi, as you know, we've, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel in the midst of much conflict. We knew we were walking into a storm. But we came and we preached it. He says, our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. Just as we have been approved by God and been entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. We didn't come to you with flattery words, as you know, nor with pretext or greed. God's our witness. We didn't seek glory from people, whether from you or others. We were gentle among you, like a nursing mother 
taking care of her own children. You see the, the keiki in the house tonight? That tender touch and care? This is the heart of this guy's preaching ministry. He cared for the church in Thessalonica like that, the way a nursing mother cares for her baby. Being so affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not just the gospel, but our own selves. I don't want to just tell you a message. I want to give you my life. This is the heart of Paul. We proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you. You know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you. We encouraged you. We charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. But we were torn away from you, brothers. We had a short time and in person, but not in heart. We endeavored the more eagerly with great desire to see you face to face. We want to come back. I want to see you again, Thessalonia. But because we wanted to come back, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. I couldn't get to you. What is our hope or joy or crown or boasting before the Lord at his coming? Is it not you? You are our glory. You are our joy. This is the heart behind a faithful preaching and teaching ministry. It loves the people it's ministering to. There's a fatherly pastoral heart. I want to feel that. I want you to feel that. Because if you're a part of our church, if you're a member of this church, whether you're in the pulpit or not, we are ministering the Bible together. We are imaging the gospel together. When we take communion this Sunday and we have the Lord's Supper and we break bread together, we as a church are preaching the gospel. And the question is, is are we doing this to reach the community rooted with, a, with the love of Christ? Like, do we have that love, that, that motherly, fatherly, tender heart? This is, the, the, this is the heart behind this preaching and teaching ministry. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. But anyway, we've been in Thessalonica tonight. Next week we'll be in Berea. And following weeks we'll be in different cities. Same message, different reactions. But God help us. And um, I pray that as we close that we as a church would continue to grasp and glean and learn what it is to really receive good Bible teaching and how to even send it back out. Amen? Amen. I love you. I really do. Uh, I wanted to mention this before we close. Like, when I get asked to speak at other places or, you know, like go and preach at other places, it's, it's, it's cool, it's neat. But, oh, I love this. I love home. I love dialogue and and particularly i do like a wednesday night because we get to dialogue a little but i am so i wanted to tell you i thought of you in the application for myself in this and that praying that god would continue to cultivate a church culture here where we love to talk explain reason even argue in love scripture let's wrestle together we're all learning together and so would god continue to cultivate that here in our church and um anyway i just wanted to commend you guys and Tell you guys what a great encouragement you've been to me all these years going through the book together. So let's pray and we'll be out. Father, thank you so much for Acts 17. Thank you so much for what you're doing in our midst. We pray that you continue to grow us as a church to give us a healthy, hungry appetite for the Bible. Um, Help us to never drift from it. 
So be with us now as we continue to fellowship, talk whatever it is we do talk about, and we pray that um, as we go, you'd remind us that it is the word of God that departs from your mouth. It does not return empty. It does accomplish what you desire. So let us just unleash the word of God. Let the lion out. Let the gospel go and do what it does best, save souls. In Jesus' name, amen.